for this opportunity we've had today to learn so much already. We ask you'll continue to teach us concerning who you are and how you desire to move in our lives. Let your blessing be here. Let your Holy Spirit speak. Direct us according to your will. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to spend a little bit of time in God's Word together. And today, because it's Father's Day, we want to spend that time looking at the issue of fathers. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We won't be in Romans today. We're taking a break. Even though it did say Abba Father in that chapter, we decided, no, we better focus on something else. And next week, uh, Pastor Eric will continue us in the study through Romans. So Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus speaks to this issue of fathering and the father specifically. Starting with verse 1, you can read along with me. It starts like this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your father who is in heaven. And when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, or to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving might be in secret. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by other people. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees everything that is done in secret, he will reward you. When you pray, don't be babbling like those pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of using all these words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Therefore, you should pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And please lead us not into temptation. Instead, deliver us from the evil one. Father, today we ask that you would do just that. Deliver us from our own thoughts and ideas, from Satan himself who desires to devour us in our walk with you. And help us instead to hear, to listen, and to respond as your Holy Spirit gives us life. Let that happen today, Lord, because we come to you as our Father, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Father. Jesus speaks to us about this issue of our Father, and he uses that term Father seven different times. He used the word reward six times different times. 
as I looked at it, I thought, well, why is a father such an important deal to us? Did you ever wonder that? Why is a father so important? Why is he such a big, big deal? You see, Jesus tells us that God is your father and that your understanding of God will affect every area of your life. If you have misconceptions about God, then you're going to tend to worry about things that you don't need to worry about. You're going to feel guilty about things that God has no intention or desire for you to feel guilty about. You're going to carry unnecessary burdens, unnecessary fears, unneeded doubts all through your life that God never intended for you to carry. If you believe a misconception about God that comes from movies or religion, or even from your parents, if you believe this misconception of what God is really like, you'll have unnecessary problems and misery that God never intended for you to have. That's why Jesus, when he came to earth, tried to help us understand who and what God was actually like. He explodes this stereotype about God, and he shows us that God is not some impersonal force. May the force be with you. Some energy that's in the universe. He's not an angry tyrant who sets up in heaven waiting for something miserable to take place in your life so he can applaud. And he's not an apathetic creator who winds up the world and then sets it down and walks away and benignly watches all things happen with no personal involvement. Even those who knew God in a vague way in the Old Testament said, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who honor him. And Jesus describes God to us with two simple but profound words. He says, God is, say it with me if you get it, our Father. God is our Father. Say that again. He is our Father. That's a remarkable, incredible thing. As Ed was sharing here earlier with us, as we had a recent retreat, talking about fathering, he said, when you read the Word of God, you need to read it as a son and as a daughter whose father has written to you these wonderful things. And your father said, and you start going, oh my goodness, what a different way to receive the truths that God has laid before us. This is how you should talk. This is how you should respond to God. This is how you should pray. Address the creator of the universe, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Holy, remarkable, incredible, wonderful is your name. And when Jesus said that some 2,000 years ago, that was a radical statement. It was so foreign to everyone's thoughts or ideas concerning who God was. In the entire Old Testament, God is referred to as a father seven times. Jesus refers to God as father seven times in this chapter alone. In his life and in the Gospels, over 150 times he calls him my father, our father. Trying desperately to help us understand that God wants to relate to you, that God loves you, that God wants to guide and direct you, that God wants to be involved in your life just as your father desires to be. Dr. Brazelton, he's the chief of child development at Boston Children's Hospital, states this 
comment. We seek to validate our existence to the approval of our father. My goodness. How often we find it to be true, but the problem is we tend to try to validate through our father who is our father here rather than our father who is in heaven and desires to be in all of our life situations, moving and molding and changing things. What our father says and thinks about us is what we tend to believe the outside world thinks of us. Uh, We had a wonderful uh, time yesterday for about four and a half hours as we uh, set Pastor Eric down and began to question him concerning his faith beliefs and where he stood in relationship to the Word of God as we, as an ordination council, tried to determine God's calling for his life and to affirm that calling of ordination. And after we got all the way through this four and a half hour period and talked together and prayed and shared, we concluded, obviously, obviously, He is called by God. He's been chosen by God for this ministry. And we want to honor him by declaring that publicly. So that was going to happen in September. We're excited about that. So you'll be getting involved in that special service in which we set aside Eric specifically for the gospel. And he gets to have these cute little papers that he can give out to everybody that says, I've been ordained. You know, I've got one of those. If you want one, I'll give it to you. Wonderful experience. But in the midst of that, probably one of the most exciting things was his father was also on the council. (laughs) So watching Ken sitting there with us as he listened to his son speak. And after he walked out, he said, my, I've never been able to experience that. To hear my son express himself in these ways was just remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Our father, who loves us so much. And is so emotional about everything that takes place in our life. Who rejoices in our victories and cries over our sorrows and our failures. We validate our existence through our understanding of who God is. And so sadly for many of you, you had a father who may have been non-existent. Or he was abusive. He wasn't there at the right moments in your life. And when you hear that term, Father, it brings up some fear. You remember words like, you just wait till your father gets home. I always loved that. My wife used that term. Just wait till your dad gets home. He'll take care of this problem. And she didn't say it that way. But it felt like that to me sometimes as the big bad dad comes home, (laughs) straighten you out. But the reality was, Fathers desperately want to share their love and everything that they are with you in your life. And though you might say, I don't need a father like my father was, you desperately need God as your father. Uh, My dad was a very abusive man. He didn't understand anything about God or about his life or about raising children. He struggled through his life until he became a Christian farther down. I still remember the conversation I had with him after I'd give my life to Christ. 
And he sat down with me, and I was constantly putting tracks under the table. I was doing everything you can think of. I mean, I was just all over it and trying desperately to get him to respond. And he said, Lee, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, what can I do for you, Dad? I'm thinking, this is it. He's going to receive Jesus right now. Here we go. We're ready. Come on, Lord, make it happen. He turned to me, and he said, I need you to understand something. I'm going to hell. And I don't, and I won't finish the sentence for you. He said, but this I ask, shut up. Stop it. I know about Jesus. I know about God. And I don't want to hear it from you anymore. Can you do that for me? I said, I'll give it my best shot. I'll give it my best shot. And I backed off a bit. I still stirred it a little bit here and there. But I backed off. And he continued his life. And he went downhill from that day forward. Everything fell apart in his life. His wife left him, and then his next wife left him, and then his next wife left him. I, I'm not kidding. It was just crazy. Until finally he came to the bottom. He received Christ. And I remember him knocking on my door with my wife in Placentia. And we hadn't seen him. She wasn't, he wasn't at our wedding. He had never met my wife. And knock, knock, knock. Goes, and I open the door, and I go, Dad? And he said, it is so good to see you. I, I just wanted to talk to you and tell you I received Christ as my Savior. I was like, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to take that. And we got to share and be encouraged. And uh, shortly after that, he had a car accident and he ended up dying of a brain aneurysm. Uh, but the wonder was that he had responded to Jesus in his life. And he had experienced what it was like finally to have a father. Our Father, who is in heaven. He's speaking about the quality of God when he says, Our Father in heaven. He's different from our human fathers. He's perfect. And we can learn from his modeling to us. God, our Father, provides this unique, wonderful, glorious model for us to follow. So the question we have to ask is, well, how can we follow it? Well, I think God gives us a series of dreams in each one of our lives that he wants to fulfill. And when we begin to respond to those dreams, we receive the reward that he wants us to give us. So when people ask me, they say, well, what is a father to do? I think there's just a couple things I want to share today that we need to do. The first one is this, and I really believe it's the first one. You need to reward your children consistently, faithfully, regularly. You need to watch them and find ways that you can reward them to share God's wondrous love through your life. When you pray, go into the room, close the door, pray to your fathers in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You need to see things done in secret. You need to watch for things he doesn't even know you saw and reward your son and your daughter for those things. Some of the ways in which we reward our sons. Now, some of you think, oh, you need to give them more money. Sometimes that's fine. But what is the reward we really need? The ingredients for success in life. You see, you need to help your sons and daughters gain an understanding of the ingredients for success in life. To provide them with insight in how to succeed. This, this view towards independence. As a father, we should always be looking for ways to help our children become complete, self-sufficient. Not give them fish, but teach them 
how to fish, to use that term. We teach our children that God doesn't waste experiences, that he wants you to use them to help you accomplish your chosen purpose, your plan, the dream that he wants to fulfill in your life. I like how Peter puts it. He says, in these things you greatly rejoice, these difficulties, these struggles, these circumstances, because now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all sorts of trials. But you rejoice because of what can take place as we understand them and respond to them appropriately. We reward them by showing them how to deal with the death of a loved one, with a miscarriage, with a divorce, with a lost job, a conflict with our spouse, a rebellious child. You see, I don't want to go through these experiences in my life. I didn't want to have that situation that I grew up with in my family. But because I did, I'm able to understand some ways to respond that other people would be unable to understand. And that's what I'm trying to teach my children, reward them with this grasp that it's because of our backgrounds we're able to listen more compassionately, to care more deeply, to pray more fervently for others going through similar experiences because we understand, we can empathize with their pain and with their problem, with their struggle. And that's something we desperately need to teach our children. Don't waste horrible experiences. Let God use them in marvelous ways. Out of our pain, we can walk with others in their pain so they might find healing. And all of us go through unique, difficult experiences. And we need to share those, not hide those from our children. They desperately need to hear from their father and their mother. Here's where I failed. But this is how God brought fulfillment. And this is how it can work in your life as well. A father should be an open book to his children that he encourages to read every day. It's not, I don't want to talk about that. It's what do you want to talk about? How can I share that with you? That was incredibly hard for me. And when we bring that up, it hurts. But you, you need to understand that. And these are probably something that, that I can help you deal with life more effectively. And father rewards his children. Life is hard, but, but God is good. We can dream and expect to want to give up on our dream, but we don't have to. Suffering is normal. It's just a part of life. We can use it. We just don't abuse it. We don't worry because God is in control. And as he teaches us and comforts us and guides us through tough times, our life is one that becomes able to do something that we otherwise never could have done. God dreams, rewards. That's the first thing Jesus is trying to teach us. You need to reward your children consistently. Provide them with the ingredients for success. I think the number two thing that I thought about it when put this together it's the same thing that jesus talks about the second thing is you need to model god's grace in your life you need to model god's grace uh, he says if you don't forgive others so god won't be able to forgive you you see god's grace is this one way love in the old testament the word for grace you also sometimes shown as forgiveness is pronounced nasa you all know that term right nasa it means actually to lift up 
It means to lift up or to take away a burden. To lift up or to take away a burden. By grace we have been saved. And grace lifts off the weight in our hearts and in our souls and in our spirit. It removes it from us and replaces it with hope and with joy and with this remarkable, incredible love that God desires to give us. You see, in the midst of this grace, we teach our children that failure is part of life, but it's not fatal and it's not final. It's just failure. And you're going to experience that, but as you get up and look at it and realign yourself, you'll also experience success. Failure makes us a person in need of forgiveness or comfort, but it doesn't make us a failure. I remember when I was driving with my wife, we were on a tough road. I think I've shared this story with you. We were off in Klamath Falls, and uh, it had uh, some ice on the road, and I could see it. It was called black ice. It was at night, and I decided this guy was going too slow, and I would pass him. And as I went to pass him, my car went into a spin, and the result was it hit a tree. And my wife, who was sleeping in the back seat, Uh, was rendered unconscious and her skull was fractured. That's why Mary's the way she is today. Um, She's going to kill me for that, but it's Father's Day, so I can get away with it. It was a a bad experience and she was unconscious and laying in the back and I was was praying and saying, oh Lord, what can I do? And Ambulance came and we got her in. We took her to the hospital and, and she came in and I'm scared and she's pregnant with our first child. I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I done? What have I done? I didn't mean to do that. How could I have been so foolish? And there was this, this spirit of ah fear which just overwhelming me. And my life had been one with my father of, of such abusiveness that now I'd taken that into myself and uh, my Christian parents, who we were going up, we were going with uh, the Dorseys, uh, great big mountain of a guy, big huge bear, just gigantic. My hand would collapse into his whenever he gave me a handshake, and he'd hold me and he'd kiss on me. I'm all like, you know, okay, Dad, it's okay, but there's nothing I could do about it. It's like, okay, whatever you want to do, you get to do, because I can't get out of your embrace. And and I came out of this, and I was walking away from the doctor and they were taking my wife away and I had this look in my eyes and I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And he walked around the corner and I thought, oh my God. This is it. I remember crying out and saying, God, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm so, and he, he ran over to me and grabbed me and hugged me and lifted me up and he said, oh, I love you. So I'm so sorry this happened. I was like, What? What? And he cried. He said, we'll work this out together. It'll be okay. Let's pray right now for Mary. I was like, is that what a father's like? Shocking. Shocking. And I discovered this wonderful grace. Amazing grace that flowed through this man's life. That he shared with me. I was recently reading about a fireman who went into a children's.
class and they were talking about what to do in case of a fire and smoke. And, and he said, now, what do, why do you have to get down on your knees when you know there's a fire? And one of the children said, so you can pray to God and ask him to get out of, the mess, get out of, get out of this mess? <laughs> I thought, you got that right, buddy. Uh, our Father gives grace because he has faith in you. He has faith in who you are and what you can do. He teaches us we can be an effective person in a defective world. An effective person in a defective world. Let's watch this clip from Soul Surfer that I appreciate so much because it shows us a father who feels so ineffective but then learns how to guide his child to listen. You can't give up on her. And you can't keep pushing at her. Well, what, what are you supposed to do? Just let her quit? She wants to, yes. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Then you're not hearing what I'm saying. What? What? What is it that I'm not hearing? You can't always fix everything by sheer will. Sometimes there is Bethany Hamilton has to be considered the favorite as we head to the Hawaiian Island Regionals. She's a surfer. She's a competitor. She's more than that. Sherry, if she walks away from this, if she quits, she may never get back in the water again, and she will never be the same. She will never be the same. And she thinks the only life out there for her is surfing, and she can't make that happen, then she's going to be lost. Really, really lost. Yeah, that's me. Mr. Jump right in and fix it. I could just keep my mouth shut for once. Done, aren't I? I can't even paddle out to the lineup past the big wave. I don't understand. What happened to I can do all things? You didn't lose everything, Bethany. Not even close. That shark didn't kill you. You're still here. Still alive. You have family that loves you. What am I supposed to do now? to know. When the time is right, you'll know. Until then, you're praying. Will you listen? Listen to what? For what comes next. The advice of a father is oftentimes just that. You pray. 
and you talk to your father and you listen and then you find out what comes next. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, go get the show, Soul Surfer. It's a great show. Insightful in relationship to how God, as our Father, works through us and in us to accomplish great things. Well, we don't have a lot of time left. So we need to kind of pull this together. See, when we talk about fathers, it's such a big deal. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come up now as they kind of finish this up and we take this special uh, offering here at the end. Did we take the first offering, guys? So we're going to take the first offering. Um, and you're going to need to designate what's going to go for the other offering, either on the sheet that you have there or on your check. And we'll do it that way, okay? So we'll take this offering. It'll be the offering for the church. Designate if it's for Campus Crusade. You can just put CC on it or put Jamie on it, anything you like there. And that'll be helpful. We'll make sure that that gets over to him and that it's a sufficient dollar figure. You know, we talk about fathers, and I said you need to show grace. Uh, you need to be involved in this uh, wonderful understanding of rewarding your children. Uh, but you need to also be involved in training and instructing them. I guess I call this, uh, this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it. This is what I believe, and this is why I believe it. Uh, the Old Testament talks about creating a thirst in our children. And this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it. Helping them to understand a need to connect with our Father, who is in heaven, but is also with us today. Uh, instruction, it's, it's, it's the how-to's. It's the what for's. It's truth training and truth instruction. It's being involved in this wondrous process of sharing with your children what God is sharing with you. Truth with love. How to be involved in it. How to give counsel that brings comfort. How to share beliefs without becoming arbitrary that's what fathers do we teach our children how to do it well how to do it right how to live right Jesus says do the right things because it's the right thing to do not so others will see us and praise us we do it because it's right it pleases God and when we do it we become part of a transforming power and we're transformed as well I can do all things through Christ who enables me, who strengthens me. And so we choose to do the right thing. Not because others are watching, but because that's who we are becoming. The priority of prayer, prayer is to our Father as His children. And we pray for our children, and we pray with our children, and we pray all the time. And help them to understand it's a 24-hour discussion with your father. It's a declaration of dependence. It's a recognition. This is where our help comes from. And the generous giving releases the grip of greed in our lives. 
when you give to the needy, not if you give, but when you give to the needy, you honor God as your partner and he directs you. Give here. Take care of this end. And we give to the church and we give to, to mission things because God has provided for us fully. And he said, as you do this, you will gain. It's in giving that you gain, not in keeping. It's in generosity that you break the grip of greed and the darkness that so easily invades your life. So values that are caught, taught, bought by our children take place because we choose to be fathers involved in all these things. Modeling for Him. Rewarding. Training. Instructing. Showing grace. Declaring God's presence and His power. That's what fathering is all about. I'm not talking about perfection. God's the only perfect one. What I found is that whenever I fail, God fills in. Wherever I fail, God fills in again and again and again. He simply asks me, Lee, just, just try. Show grace. Reward. Train. Instruct. Be an open book. And make sure that you let your children read it on a regular, consistent basis. Hey, let's close with a simple prayer. I call it the Father's Prayer. Others call it the Lord's Prayer. So pray it with me. You should remember it. If you don't, we'll kind of work it through until we end. Ready? Close your eyes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power, thine is the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, thank you. Father, thank you for choosing to love us. To give us the gift of hope and forgiveness that your Son provides. Thank you. Thank you. Be our Father today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to take our offer.